Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Cool. So today we got Zach here, Zach D'Amato, myself, Mike Townsend, and Tommy Nichols. And we are stoked to be doing a Around the Coin Techstars partner podcast here in New York City at the Techstars FinTech headquarters, which is a beautiful space. Um, how are you guys both doing? Thanks for coming on again. Tommy joined us last time in a episode of July 2014, uh, which is awesome. So welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah? Stuff's getting serious. Zach is, <laughs> Zach is the partner in crime today. He's going to be with us. We're going to talk to four companies. Tommy is the first company, and Zach and I uh, got to know each other this week, and we're really excited to bring on these companies and have some good conversations. So, Tommy, what, what does the company do? Um, you know, maybe walk us through, last time we spoke with Knox Payments, and what happened there, and what you guys are stoked for with this next round. Absolutely. So, um, right now, I'm with Alloy. We are building the future of compliance as a service. Um, we're focused on building APIs for fintech companies so that they can do what they're really good at, provide like the product or service that they're trying to go to market with, and not have to worry so much about the building blocks of that that are absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. So the way that works is basically we take um, a customer onboarding policy, which is like KYC, AML, all the stuff where you make sure customers are who they say they are and aren't on terrorist watch lists, that kind of stuff. And we take the six or seven vendors that you would need to actually complete that onboarding service, package it into one API, so all you have to do is interact with us, and then we give you a really great visual representation of all your customers and how they were onboarded so that regulators or compliance people can go back and and check up on that. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of think of us as like the segment IO of of compliance, Um, and uh, we're here to make fintech entrepreneurs' lives easier. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So what? So you guys have largely the same crew working on this. And is it five founders that you now have? Yes. Yeah, so we have three. Two, me and myself and two co-founders. Um, the, my co-founders and I both work together at an ACH payment processor called Knox Payments. And how we kind of like, how we kind of came to this idea is when we decided that we wanted to, you know, individually decided to leave Knox Payments um, due to you know uh, vision discrepancies between uh, the founding team. We were looking at, you know, what are the problems that, that we have seen throughout our lives in fintech that just come up over and over and over again? And every single time that if you're at a payment processor, it doesn't matter where you are, if you're trying to work with a third party, you've got to understand how they're compliant so you're not, you're not exposing yourselves to, you know, to an accidental money laundering scheme or whatever. And it makes it really difficult for fintech companies to make partnerships, mm-hmm. but it also makes it really difficult for fintech companies to make partnerships with banks, which is like critical mm-hmm. to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of companies taking as much as a year just to get off the ground to go hire a compliance consultant, figure out how this works, go sign up for TransUnion and six other yeah. things, then integrate them, and then build like a four-person compliance team, like half the company. Wow. Um, and we, we kind of thought like, this is the same thing over and over again. Let's yeah. package this up and let's make this really yeah. simple. So that must be a huge pain point that you're trying to solve for these companies. I think it's a huge pain point. Uh, the thing that we're trying to figure out is um, is how to provide a solution that kind of can serve varying stages of companies. Mm-hmm. I think it's obvious that what we're doing is going to be really valuable for early stage companies that are just trying to navigate this, um, but trying to you know transition that into something where 
uh, uh, you know, a hundred person company like Betterman or whatever can, can transition their seven APIs into ours really easily. I think that's why we're picking this strategy of being kind of like this aggregator and integrator mm -hmm. um, so that we can serve them. Mm -hmm. But we're still definitely in the early stages of figuring that yeah, out. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. How have you found the experience working with Techstars? I mean, they have... Barclays is a major partner, sponsor, yeah. uh, you know, that, that seems to be a, a really great in uh, with a lot of companies. Yeah. Have, have, what have been the, their experience with Techstars so far? You know, a couple things about that. Like, first of all, when you go and you see like Barclays name on, a, on, on the Techstars, you think like this is PR for them, right? Like they're just, they probably are putting some money up or, or whatever. Um, and that's actually not the case. I actually don't think any of the money that gets invested in the companies is coming from them. They did build out our space and they're providing a tremendous amount of resources. But it, just, it's so much more than what you think. They are, they are so dedicated to making relationships with every single one of the companies to, as, as a commercial relationship. Like They want to buy your products. They want to partner with you. They want to help you because they are really serious about the future of, of financial services being built by startups. And they want to be a part of that. And I did not, when we got here on day one, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to shake hands with a bunch of Barclays people mm -hmm. and that's going to be whatever, you know, that's really how I saw it. And instead they were like, look, this is how I can help you. Let's do it. Like, let's get it going. Mm -hmm. That's been amazing. Um, the Techstars thing is, is pretty crazy. The, the Techstars side of it, they introduce you to, you know, eight to 10 mentors a day in the first couple of weeks. And it is wild. I mean, just think about, you know, think about um, when you're starting a business and you try to meet the people in your industry that are relevant, maybe have a two, co two coffees a week if you're really killing it, like two critically good coffees, and we're doing eight of those a day. That's crazy. I'm exhausted yeah. uh, from it, but it has been, it has accelerated a learning process that could have taken two months into one week, yeah. and I think that's... Once, once we get a good night's sleep, that will have been something really <laughs> done. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's been cool. Um, cool. So what do you think about the other companies here? Some exciting, uh, exciting other companies in the works? Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Um, some of the, we've already gotten pretty close with some of the companies. Uh, just there's like overlap. One of the things that's been interesting is everyone got up on the first day and pitched what they were doing. And I was like, Mm, about half of them I kind of shrugged my shoulders like I whatever mm -hmm. like I don't know mm -hmm. if that's good or bad after they've gone through Mentor Madness uh, this this meeting with like 32 people in, 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 in four days we all just did our pitches again and I like totally get what everybody does now it's mm -hmm. super clear some of them are absolutely amazing we've got the future of smart contracts in the shipping industry here mm -hmm. um, we've got people who are actually focused yeah. on the same side of the business as we are the customer onboarding and like ways that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. So getting to know these companies has been cool, um, but also seeing them go from like completely not being able to explain what they do to being able to really explain it in like four days, that's been... Yeah, that's tremendous. It matters so much yeah. for everyone. As like a startup junkie, yeah. you probably feel the same way. It's like when somebody can really explain what their company does, mm -hmm. it's kind of thrilling. That should be table stakes, but it's mm -hmm. not. Yeah, because essentially we just bet that if you can explain it well, you know well. Because yeah. no one else is going to know it as well as you do. Right. If you're confused, then... I don't think you know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually pretty easy to build a company that just like kind of goes in an arbitrary direction because like people ask you to do stuff and you kind of do it. It's like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. um, and if you know exactly why you're doing it and how it's strategic and can also explain that in 45 seconds to it, to some degree that somebody would understand, mm -hmm. that means, okay, like this might be scalable and repeatable. I don't know. There's something about that that, that strikes like scale over people because yeah. it's hard to, you can't describe a consulting business yeah. and like how you get customers totally. in 45 seconds so tell me how you got how did you get into Techstars and then what are you going to do afterwards you guys are from Virginia right so is the plan to go back to Virginia or stay in New York or go to a different city yeah uh, tell me how you got in okay how do we get in so we um, we were basically uh, myself and a couple of the other people who are working on this were uh, you know we're, we're working with fintech companies on just what their problems were, doing a little bit of consulting, but also just doing a lot of hanging out, um, trying to like find the next problem to solve and um, you know, trying to come together as a team. And we started to strike on, on this like APIs for fintech concept, but also nailing customer onboarding. Um, and we met Jenny, the managing director here. I, I do not remember how that happened, but somehow we met her and developed really quick a really quick rapport with her. I, uh, her, Jenny Fielding for everyone out there is the managing director and um, just just have had such a good relationship with her and also just like you know get along and get understand each other and she I, I think when we were having a really hard time even explaining what we were going to try to do and like how we wanted to go about this she 
understood it almost even before we did and has helped to drive us to this point. And so I think like through the course of maybe three or four weeks of talking to her and Alex Tarhini, getting to know each other, um, we became compelled by working with them. Like we were just like, if we get the chance to you know, go through a program run by Jenny, I don't care what it is, it's mm-hmm. gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I, I, ostensibly she felt the same way. Brought us in to, to pitch to the Barclays people, we gave a pitch and I'll, I'll say this, the, the, the final decision to get into Techstars actually kind of rested with Barclays management and Jenny. They kind of went back and forth on that. We went in and did this pitch to them, and I got to tell you, like, we walked out and we were like, well, better plan the next thing, because that, that did not go well. So that was, like, that was the shittiest pitch I've ever done. That was, like, the worst pitch I've ever done. It just, like I, like, I didn't even understand what I was saying. Got a call from Jenny the next day. Great pitch. You know, you're, you're in the program. They loved you, and I was like... So sometimes you actually don't even know. Yeah, you never um, know. Yeah, and, and what we're going to do after the program, I mean, we're really focused on the next 80 days and coming out of Demo Day with something like very easy to understand, some solid traction and a story of how we're going to go get the next you know, 12,000 fintech companies that are out there and get them on our system. Uh, where we're going to live to do that is going to be dictated a lot on um, investors and customers and and where that seems to be pointing. Mm-hmm. I'm advocating that we go back to Richmond, Virginia, because yeah. I'm a homebody, but I don't, I don't think I'm gonna win that argument. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll see, yeah, we'll see. Cool, man. So do you guys like living in New York? Do you uh, go out to, this is my only week, I've been here one week, yeah. and it just, it's overwhelming, yeah. chaotic, yeah. madness. Yeah, so, so we're going, you, you know, you live in a little bit of a bigger market than I do, but we're both from like, you're not, we don't live in San Francisco or you know New York City, right? So I think we probably have a similar experience where I am like, Completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it here. My team definitely loves it here. They're 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 having a blast. I'm still adjusting. Mm-hmm. I'm used to. I grew up in Richmond. I went to school at the University of Virginia, which is just down the road. Like I know where everything is. I know who everybody mm-hmm. is. Right. And you don't know anybody uh, in New York. I will say I had a little taste of home the first day I got here. Though one of my oldest friends had texted me. I was like, I heard you're in New York. I was like, Yeah, let's hang out. I'm going to uh, I'm going to a thing. I didn't say what it was. Um, she's like, yeah, let's hang out afterwards. And we ended up in, in being in line to the Yankees game, like two people ahead of each other and see yeah. each other. So I was like, okay, maybe it is a little bit of a smaller town than I, or yeah. I thought, but yeah. I'll say I'm still adjusting for sure. That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, that's about all the questions I had. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on. Zach, thanks oh, for being here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Zach is one of the uh, one of the mentors and part of Techstars, and he has an awesome background. We'll have to dive into that another time, but... Um, yeah, thanks, man. Right on. So the next time, absolutely, anytime. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, maybe when we get launched, we'll dive in. Awesome, dude. All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks. All right. So part two of four. We're here uh, talking to Jonathan Levine from Chainalysis. Jonathan Levine from Chainalysis. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us what Chainalysis does and who's in it and where it came from. Sure. So Chainalysis is a, essentially a compliance company. We're building the future of compliance for decentralized value exchange. Uh, so the way that money moves today is not going to be the way that money moves in five years' time, ten years' time. And uh, we're seeing sort of the transition to more open networks, more participatory systems. And uh, what Chainalysis do is build solutions that existing financial institutions that have compliance obligations, anti-money laundering obligations can get involved in those types of ecosystems. So we start with Bitcoin. Um, it's the, you know, the biggest decentralized value exchange protocol today. And we help um, Bitcoin businesses and banks who give bank accounts to Bitcoin businesses uh, essentially meet their compliance obligations by allowing them to monitor who their counterparties are, where the sources of funds lie, um, and assess the risk of doing business with different entities in the Bitcoin network. Hmm, that's awesome. That is really, really cool. Yeah. So, uh, what were you guys doing before? How did you, what was the, what was what the process was the, to get into Techstars? Like yeah, so, so um, it's quite an interesting story. So, the, the company was founded by two Danish guys, um, a guy called Michael Groninger and Jan Muller. Um, both of them were in Bitcoin fairly early, sort of around 2010, 2011. And Michael was the CEO at Kraken, the exchange in San Francisco. And there he was responsible for a lot of their compliance efforts, a lot of their banking relationships, trying to explain to banks what Bitcoin is and how they should uh, give Kraken a bank account. 
And he found that he couldn't really explain, you know, how they were mitigating their risk from facilitating crime and those types of things. And he said, well, you know what, I can't do it today and maybe I should just build a product that solves that problem. So he, he spoke to Jan and they got together and they started building product. I joined earlier this year um, and uh, we shipped product May 1st and, you know, have some pretty happy customers across, you know, our target customer base. And... Um, yeah, been helping people be compliant for a number of months. That's awesome. So, how did you guys get customers? Especially when you had none. Did you did you do any smoke and mirrors tricks and call them up and say, "Hey, we've got you know six other customers in the pipeline"? Or especially fintech is an interesting challenge because it's usually very important. Uh, yeah. To get it right. Yeah. So we um, the, the fortunate thing for us was that we all uh, have been in Bitcoin for at least two years, and you know. I started day one and I knew five people who I knew would need the product and I just called them up and I said, hey, uh, you know that product that we spoke about six months ago? I've actually got it, it works, and do you want to do it? And, you know, slowly, slowly, it didn't happen immediately, but, you know, give a little trial account, give them a demo, and, you know, people saw people saw what we, what we were doing. We also got some great assistance from, you know, some of the legal counsel and, um, advisory firms uh, that have been using or helping Bitcoin companies be compliant, or the AML advisory firms and stuff like that. So they, they were really ambassadors for our product, which is great. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So how big is the company now? You guys have so we are now six people. Six people. Yeah. So we're four engineers, almost five engineers, including Michael, he's fairly technical, um, and I'm the only non-technical guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we're sort of expanding, we have, you know, a growing customer base, and it's been great to come to Techstars and understand, you know, which verticals to really go after and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So your challenge is to grow the company? So my challenge... Your, your task for that small... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we are fairly early in this industry, we're trying to definitely uh, grow a market so I'm not tackling an existing pain point necessarily in financial institutions but rather trying to get financial institutions in a position where they understand where um, value exchange might happen in the future sort of tapping into their innovation innovation team so I have you know a pretty a range of jobs ranging from you know close as many deals of existing problems that we can do today but also to actually, you know, provide some thought leadership and grow the market size into what it needs to be. That's awesome. So what? So tell me about TechStars. You guys joined. Uh, basically, we're in a giant room here in New York. There's 11 companies here. They throw mentors at you all day. Like, how? What? How has that changed from if you were out on the street or across the street trying to grow the business? Yeah. So we. I mean, putting it this way, we. Our startup is all based in Europe, all our developers are in Europe. Uh, I was based in London, and uh, our biggest market, even before we came to Techstars, was in the US. So we, we really wanted a way to launch uh, an office here, base ourselves on, on the East Coast. And you know, thinking about it, it would be extremely difficult to just, you know, from scratch, wake up, get an office, get an apartment, and try and start business. This way, we enter into a, you know, the office is kitted out. We have an amazing network of people who are constantly coming in and out, investors, mentors, you know, associates, people helping us uh, all day. And that creates, you know, an environment where you can really launch a business in a new country. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's been great. I don't even know how you do it, uh, Techstars. You just, is it even possible? Can you just come yeah. here? I mean, you know, we had, um, the funny thing about it was, you know, Every company that, that thinks about joining an accelerator, especially you know when you have revenues and you have a product in the marketplace and people are giving you that validation, you think about, well, do I really need to go into an accelerator? Are they going to actually help me shape my product? Or you know, I'm a bit late stage. So actually, <laughs> Michael and I uh, were here on a business trip two weeks before the program started, and you know, I went from you know, we're definitely not joining this accelerator. Like I could. Just put me on a plane to New York, and I'll just go. Like I'll, I'll be in DC. I'll be in Boston. I'll go to San Francisco. We'll sell our product, and then you know, over the week that we were here, we were talking to people, feeling out the market, and realized that 
yeah, this would actually be a really tough challenge without, um, you know, a network and some infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but their partnership with Barclays, it seems like they're just so dialed into the community that it makes it... Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the nice thing about being partners with Barclays is, you know, firstly, you know, some validation about your credibility for your company, um, but also that they're very active partners. So Barclays doesn't take any equity in your business and needs to needs to extract some value for actually putting you through this process. And they need to extract value by really engaging you within their business. So they're, they're you know, delving deep into their own organization to find places where you have a good product market fit and you know, they want to learn and they want to um, actually get something out of hosting us all here. That's awesome, that's awesome. So if there's people listening now uh, maybe other startup founders or engineers or product or biz dev guys or investors or whoever it may be, what, what kind of message would you say? What are you guys looking for now? What would help the company grow? Yeah, so I mean, you know, we're, we're, new, in, we're new in the East Coast. We're looking for, you know, people who are going to help us move along. Right now we're recruiting talent across, you know, a range of, a range of roles from, um, we're looking for some some cool forensic investigators. Wow, um, that sounds awesome. To 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 bust crime, we're looking for um, we're looking for engineers to build you know good looking dashboards and stuff like that. We're um, yeah we're we're hiring in New York. We're also um, you know um, want to engage in the whole fintech community. Want to learn you know what products are gaining traction, what markets are interesting, um, and always you know. Happy to happy to meet with investors. Awesome, that's cool, man. So, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Twitter, email. So we we, as you will see, with our our SEO is not our strong point. If you know people are googling us, you'll see some horror stories on Reddit and on CoinDesk and stuff like that. So, yeah, just hit, hit us up at, um, at info at chainalysis.com just drop me an email you can find me on twitter at uh, j-o-n-y underscore l-e-v-s um, that's my that's my twitter handle awesome man well hey this has been great this thanks so much for having me on it uh, sounds like a really cool um, podcast yeah I really enjoyed being on the show definitely man until next time we'll have you on again sure I can... 100 plus people yeah <laughs> we can do Bitcoin 101 thanks man cheers This is part three, our third company of the day, uh, and we have Gotti, who we, I've just met a minute ago. So I don't know too much about his company, what they do, but I'm very interested to learn more. Uh, why don't you tell us, tell us your, your full name, who's on the team, what you guys are working on? Sure. So, Gadi Oshin from uh, Ogidocs. Uh, I'm co-founder with uh, Ori Garbash and the ISPL. Can I say the company name one more time? Sure. Uh, Ogi Docs, O-G-Y Docs. Ogi Docs, yes. Uh, basically, we are developing the first decentralized electronic bill of lading. Bill of lading. Interesting. Bill of lading is a document of title to the goods in transport in the shipping industry. Hmm. Which means that whenever you give your anything, anything here was shipped or anything around whoever that is not seeing us, uh, was shipped there. So when the supplier gave the goods to the, uh, to the carrier or to the forwarder or whoever, he received the receipt stating what is basically in the shipment. And this bill is traveling along the supply chain and eventually it goes back to the carrier in order to get the goods back. The holder of the bill of lading is the one who is the rightful owner of the goods in transport. Just like uh, uh, when you deliver your pants to your uh, laundry or dry cleaner, you get a, a small uh, note that says that you can come and pick it. You can also give it to someone else and he will come and pick it. Hmm. Exactly the same, but for the container. Hmm. So is the problem, as I understand it, the fact that this piece of paper, is it a piece of paper? It's it actually, is a piece of paper. And it literally goes with the goods throughout the entire It trip. goes, no, the goods are going by sea and the 
paper is traveling between several points along the supply chain, the banking industry, the forwarders, the, everyone who is a part of the uh, supply chain gets a bill of lading and when he holds it, he's the owner. Uh, they use it as a collateral for business transactions. Uh, you can uh, factor it, which means that you can basically sell it this is, this is uh, how business is done today. Wow. So Still with paper documents. Now, now that you guys exist, yes. how is it done? So is it completely, I'd imagine, electronic? It is 100% electronic. Uh, it is powered by uh, blockchain, of course. It is a very simple uh, electronic or, or very simple technological solution or technological solution, but a very uh, complicated commercial solution. Mm. Uh, I'm coming from the shipping industry and the trading industry. I used to have, uh, like, until I joined here, I used to manage uh, offices in Shanghai, Cairo, India, and Tel Aviv, uh, where I used to provide services for customers all around the world, from Europe, from, uh, uh, from the States, Middle East. Hmm. Wow, so everything was surrounded. I was always surrounded by the bill of lading. I suffered from it a lot, and now I started to. Wow, so, it. What, so being a, I guess you would call a manager of shipping uh, departments. How it's like you, a commercial department, not the actual shipping. Gotcha. Yes. And what was, what, so the bill of lading, what was the pain point? Was it the confusion? Was it being lost? Or do you not know where they are? Or just anything with paper, obviously, is really. <laughs> First of all, Anything with paper is not up to date. Yeah, this is the beginning. Bill of lading was first issued, I believe, in 400 years ago or something like that, uh, and we still work with it today. Um, well, it gets lost. Uh, you cannot get your container without a bill of lading. In ma in many business transactions, sometimes it's, uh, you can, but it's like it's a very complicated uh, mm -hmm. scene. So we will not get into any type of. Uh, a business transaction, but let's stick to the, the basic. You cannot get the goods without the bill of lading, meaning that you might, might get the goods in the port and a DHL or a UPS or any other courier for some reason delayed the documents and it's stuck in the port and wow. there is no way for you to release it wow. unless you bring a bank guarantee of up to double of the amount of the goods in shipment. That is with a, a, a limit of one year. So, what, do you have any ideas of the cost of, of this problem? I mean, there must be a, an estimation of how much this costs the world. And Just for transformation of paper bills of lading and, and documents in general, the world is spending around $9 billion per year. Wow. Uh, if you add also the verification and the issuing of these documents, you get $30 billion. And there are also unquantified uh, numbers like how many days are lost. Because if you are bringing your container of things, anything, to, to, from, from uh, uh, Europe to the States, you will not lose a lot of money if it will be delayed for one week. But if you are uh, Walmart, for example, or, or you know what, let's go to the textile industry. If you are a uh, River Island and now you only have blue in your shop, and a special blue, and it is there for only two weeks, and you miss one week, you miss half of your season. That and is, just because of the paper documents, that's crazy. So yes. you guys are building the solution that should have existed almost 10 years ago. It, it feels like this. Before the blockchain, there was no really chance. Many people tried already. We are not the first one to, to see this problem. Mm -hmm. But as I said, it's a very simple uh, uh, technological issue. It's a very heavy uh, Commercial. Commercial. Sure. That yes. makes a lot of sense. Sorry that I said that from Israel. But no, that makes perfect yeah. sense. I love the accent. Yes. I love the Israelis. <laughs> so, so how did you how did you guys get into this world? We're sitting in New York. You grew up thousands all across the world. You have contacts all across the world. How yes. did you guys get to sit in this office right now? Actually, uh, our company was founded around 18 months ago. We started by developing an exchange because we believed... We, we also saw a problem in the, in the exchange market. Uh, it was just after uh, empty gox issued and that. We saw that there is a, a big crisis in the, in the Bitcoin uh, industry. 
Oren Yahir, my partners, are coming from the highest levels of uh, information security, Israeli IDF, uh, and places that no one can speak of. So um, we started by developing the exchange, which is actually ready, but we didn't launch it because once we really understood the technology, we saw that we can come to my world and solve a huge industry, a huge a, a shipping problem, mm-hmm. uh, which is not true. Not a lot of people are... are picking off this glove because there are so many types of bills of lading and each bill of lading has so many states and let's be honest it's a very boring uh, industry not industry but a very boring document that is uh, uh, backed by treaties from 1938 and 1924 and, and the UN is involved and all so a lot of people don't want to touch it because they view it as stale they don't know they don't want to touch it and also they don't know how it works how it actually works um, but because I'm all over the place in the training sector, so I pretty much understand it, and I also have very good advisors. You know, no one can know everything, but I have very good advisors, uh, which are 100% volunteers because they all, they suffer from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how we are. This is how we go to the project. Barclays, which is a part of the banking industry is using the bill of lading as a collateral for, as a trigger for all LCs and cash against documents and many other types of unique or, or less well-known business transactions and, and they suffer a lot. This is one of the only documents where the banking industry triggers huge payments based on a document that right. they did not issue. Right. And, Immediately they saw the, the potential and, and the resource this solution can right. say. Can, so can is say. Barclays now a customer? Is not a customer. We have to are we working on that? No, we are working on it. We are, we are begging basically. Okay. Uh, but, but they saw that this is something that we have to listen. Of course, they did not. Uh, we'll get them. We'll get them. We will get them. Yeah. Yes. They did not say anything. They're going to be but, listening but, to this but, podcast. So. But yes. <laughs> yes. Don't sue me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we're, what, what's next? When you guys leave Techstars, is it going to be back to... Is, uh, Tel Aviv is an amazing city for startups in particular. Um, yeah, so tell me why that is. I mean, it always been fascination why such a, a chaotic part of the world uh, is, is so strong in startups. I mean, Very hard for me to say. This is like a, a philosophical... Yeah. It, it, maybe it's a cultural, but... But anything I will say is just out of my imagination at this second and might change after a few minutes. So sure. I think that's a waste of time to say. But I can say that in Israel we have we do have very good engineers and very good, very promising ideas. Uh, what we are missing usually in Israel is a very nice package and how to make how to get to mass adoption. And this is where textiles and 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 in general the US, this is what they do best here. Mm-hmm. In Israel not a lot of companies reach to world mass adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's always better to cooperate. Yeah. Feels like Techstars is a perfect partner for you guys. It is. That's Definitely. great. That's awesome, man. So if there's, you know, some startup founders, employees, investors, partners, customers, what, what, what kind of broad message do you put out to them and, and what, who are you looking for at this point? How, what can help the company grow faster? Uh, basically, we already have in mind, we, we we are building now the solution. Uh, we are making uh, like requirement analysis. Uh, I have enough connections to the shipping industry and in the backing. But basically, I'm just doing exactly what I did until now, just from a different angle. So we are looking for, always for fundraising, like any other startup, but we are not that desperate yet because still we can rely on, on, on our past connections mm-hmm. and relationship. Mm-hmm. So now we are just enjoying to... Uh, nice. So to maybe some, if there's an engineer or support, is it maybe a business person or partners or even customers out there that are listening and, and Always, always, yeah. always. Whoever wants to support yeah. is always welcome. That's, uh, that's this solution is not to solve my own problem. I'm not that egoistic. <laughs> Although it is my problem, uh, whoever wants to be a part or has a, a difficult use cases yes. or just in general, yeah. we like people. That's we like awesome. hearing the, the advice. So, 
How would someone get a hold of you? Are you on Twitter or email? What's the I'm best on way? Twitter, but I'm really bad at any social networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have our site, which is ogidocs.com. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, we are also ogidocs. Okay. And I'm here twice. All right. So O-G-G-Y. No, just O-G-Y. O-G-Y. Docs.com. All right, man. Well, hey, this has been great. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. All right, cool. So this is number four for the day, uh, the most exciting one. Whoa, whoa. And, uh, and we're going to get Zach involved here. So again, we're sitting in Techstar Studio in New York, and we have uh, Rachel here. And we're going to be talking about her company and what they do and some really cool things. So Rachel, what's up? How's the, how's, how's the day? How's Techstar going? We're at the happy hour now. Yeah, I'm so a little drunk. Like we're, we're on like number something beer. Um, <laughs> but that's great. Um, so, so Rachel, tell us about what your company is, what it's working on, what are you totally. guys doing? Yeah, so my company is called Seeds. Uh, what we do is we build micro-lending into mobile games. So what that means from a user standpoint is you're playing a game on your mobile phone, and maybe you level up or you complete a level, something happens that's positive. And this ad-like interstitial appears that takes up the whole screen, and it says, like, hey, you can get virtual currency or a virtual sword, some item that you probably want to use in the game anyway. And if you make that purchase of that virtual good, we'll then take that dollar, two dollars that you spent and move it to a micro entrepreneur in Kenya or Haiti who needs capital to start a business. And so that's what we do. We put that in games. Wow. That is awesome. Thanks. That is like the most meaningful thing I've heard all day. Thank you. And the the other thing, um, the value proposition to games is that we found that Freemium games especially are really inefficiently monetized. Um, only 6% of users spend any money in a game at all, and we can bump that up to about 8%. So we're helping games monetize more effectively, and once a gamer spends that first dollar on a social good purchase, like Seeds, um, then they spend an average of $25 more in the game. Wow, that's really, really cool. So wh- where are these people in the world that you're helping? Uh, right now they're in Kenya and Haiti, mm-hmm. and we move the money to their cell phones because um, I don't know how many, probably a lot of listeners are aware of this, but in lots of areas of the developing world, people that don't have access to bank accounts or like landlines uh, have cell phones, and so that way, um, because that's the tech that's available to them, um, money gets transferred through text message. So it's pretty crazy. So we're just plugging that into this kind of like gaming front end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Zach. Uh, from all these people in Kenya, what is this one store that moved you the most to keep you going in seats? Right on. Um, so my background is in finance. I was a futures and equities trader for a while, like in 2008 when the markets were crashing. And um, I really dug it, but I was like the only female trader, one of the only female traders at every place I worked. And um, that actually, honestly, that was the first place that I became aware of sexism. Like I hadn't really thought about it before then. Um, guys would like watch porn in the office and it was just like a super weird environment but I like trading itself um, and I was a good trader I always made money even when the markets were, were crashing so um, at the time I was living in Chicago and I was doing improv at Second City like studying improv and comedy writing and the best sketch that I wrote was a sketch called Mime Brothel about a brothel full of mimes and like 20 people would see it on a good night or something so it's just like the wheels were turning whatever I was thinking like how could I create something that reaches a wider audience? And I was sitting on the trading desk at 3 in the morning one night because I was trading the European shift, and I read this article in the New York Times about microfinance, how it was a great investment, so that appealed to the trader in me. And um, it was really inclusive uh, of women in the developing world who couldn't, they just couldn't get capital. It was way harder to get capital if you were a girl. Um, and they paid the loans back. Like Statistically speaking, this sounds awful, but... If you give capital to a man in those situations, um, in the developing world with limited education, they're more likely to spend it on alcohol, prostitutes, and um, cigarettes. Mm. And women are more likely to reinvest it in the family, um, education, and better nutrition, and they pay these loans back almost 100% of the so time. So why, why would money not go to women more? I mean, statistically, it's a, it's a sure. good business decision. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so we're, Accelerated Rad is affiliated with Barclays, which I assume you guys mentioned. Barclays doesn't do micro-lending, and they don't have a presence in the developing world um, in a large way yet, and it's because they, they don't see these customers as sort of like viable, uh, profitable customers, because the amounts of money that they would move are so small. So that's why like 
the cell phone companies kind of stepped in and started providing that service. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so what does the company look like now? You guys have how many people, and what 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 kind of like traction, or how do you sort of think about where it is now? Right on. Yeah. Um, so we we have I guess four and a half people. Um, there, three of us will be full time starting in a couple weeks, um, and we have a part time designer and an intern. And uh, yeah, we have about ninety games in the pipeline who have given us a verbal yes, um, including the largest grossing gaming company of 2014, who came to us inbound after they read about us in Forbes. And uh, yeah, so it's good. We got, we got this product up. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So is the, is the strategy to take a, a percentage of the donated, or not donated, but the dollars going to people, or is it to make money on the loan, or how, how does the business model work in this? Sure. Um, I'm, just, I'm confident that we'll tweak this as we go through Techstars, but the way it currently exists is we tell a gaming company like, hey, you know, like 94% of your users never spend any money. Just let us show this thing to them and we'll probably convert another 2% or at least more of them into paying customers. So give us 100% of that first purchase, which is usually $2. The app store takes their cuts and the other 70% comes to us. We keep half, so 35%, and we micro lend the remaining half and collect interest on that. Awesome. awesome. Is there any stories, I'm curious already, of people that have received enough money in Kenya or Haiti to make a difference in their life, or are we still in the early stages of piloting that? Yeah, totally. And um, then on top of that, have you gone to Haiti <laughs> and Kenya to meet people? Because yes. I think it'd be amazing to have some of these stories. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, the connector between my training job and um, launching Seeds was reading that article when I was on the training desk and thinking like, oh, if I made a documentary, like a film about this topic, I would reach more than the 20 people that would see a sketch that I wrote on a good night. And this is just interesting. Like, I don't know, it was a film that I would want to see. So um, I ended up quitting my training job and I made a documentary about how microfinance impacted women around the world. And we shot in Paraguay, in India, in Kenya, and in Detroit. And uh, yeah, just I mean, the story of the, the family we filmed in Paraguay was like the most impactful. It was literally legit. Like they, it was a family of nine kids, and the youngest kid had like a tumor on his abdomen when he was born. And the family spent all of their their savings covering his medical expenses, and he ended up surviving. He originally had like a ten percent chance of survival, but he made it. And they were broke, and so the mom found out about microfinance. So typically, microloans are given to groups of women, and then there's like this because they don't have collateral. Often, they sort of like guarantee the loans for one another. Yeah. Right. So it's like you get your mom and your sister and your best friend and your neighbor, and then you're not gonna let each other down. You'll kind of back mm-hmm. each other up if you're short one week or something. So this group of 15 women took out a loan for $60 total. So this woman, Pablina, took her $4 portion and started a business selling sugarcane cakes in front of her house. And before she can like get enough money to buy like enough flour and butter to like make a big batch. But then after the microloan, she could. And she kept the family afloat after the kid was sick. And they're they great now. Wow. It was literally $4. Like it's minus insane. Yeah. So can some, is there a direct route if someone wanted to donate to these? Or is it more like... Could refer to Kiva or some other organization. Kiva is the certainly the best known in the states and sort of the easiest platform to use. Um, yeah, but keep an eye out for seeds showing up in your mobile games, and you can make microloans there as well. That's and let awesome. games that you like to play know that you want seeds in that game because yeah. we yeah. would love to be in them. Zach, are you a gamer? Do you, do you play games? As did you four men, and then I kind of fell off. <laughs> I died back in the kitchen, so. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was no no mobile game. Is, is what's what's the big one? Is Farmville still Zynga? Zynga. Yeah, Zynga made Farmville. That was more like web based. Um, the biggest now is actually Clash of Clans as mm-hmm. of last year. Um, it looks fun. Yeah, and that was that's the company that approached us in February off, off of the Forbes article. Wow. We're not supposed to say their name yet, but all right. Well, yeah, by the time this gets out, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, nice. um, yeah. So if if we have people out there listening, um, maybe maybe engineers or business development guys or uh, investors or other game developers uh, and basically anyone in the world that's listening, what are you guys at now in terms of what you're looking for personnel-wise? Um, what would help the company grow and then how would someone get a hold of you guys? Sure. Um, so right now we're looking for a Unity engineer or two Unity engineers. So if anyone is interested in Diggs Gaming and thinks that 
you know, working with us on something that's mission-based would be cool. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we're no longer fundraising. Um, I wrote this blog post, if you guys want to check it out, called How to Survive as a Female Founder about stuff I did when we were broke. Um, because it was a while before we raised a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah, including, like, I Airbnb'd my apartments. Um, I just want to, like, fit this in because I'm proud of this. What else did you do? That's awesome. Um, Well, yeah, so I, like, literally would sleep on the couch and Airbnb both. I got a two-bedroom with the intention of, in Bushwick, which is, like, a neighborhood in Brooklyn, um, to, like, bootstrap the company. I also made a Bitcoin trade, like, utilizing my old stock trading skills. Um, I bought a bunch in October of 2013 and made, like, 8x by January. Wow. So, like, there are different things that I did That's to stay awesome. alive. So, were you in New York before Techstars? You were in... Oh, yeah, yeah, so you, Are you born and raised here? No, I'm from, like, a farm town in Ohio originally. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Long line of dairy farmers. So how was the, how was the shift to like live in New York now with the? Oh man, I was like that cliche story of a kid who couldn't wait to move to the big city. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to Duke for undergrad, and then I lived in Chicago for four years, and then I moved here. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, it's the best way. Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah, you could follow us. It's uh, at Play Seeds Yo, P L A Y S E D S Y O. Um, yeah, you could drop me an email, rachel at playseeds.com, R-A-C-H-E-L. Um, yeah, we, we'd love to find more cool people to work with. We're looking for gaming partners who are down to integrate our SDK. It takes like 20 minutes tops to do, super short. Um, yeah, and... Uh, awesome. At uh, Twitter, playseedsyo. I yeah, like that. Yeah. kind of remember it better. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Zach, Rachel, thanks Thank for you. being on. This is super fun. Cool. Cool, until next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So I'm really stoked. We have Zach and we have Jenny Fieldings and Fielding. 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 And uh, we just did four awesome interviews with four of the 11 companies here in the Techstars New York office. And all really exciting, all such an eclectic background. And here we are with the managing director, I believe is the title of, of Miss Jen here. And, uh, and I'm really excited. I want to hear about Jenny's backstory, how she got to join Techstars, how, what she did before that, and then what this office is going to be. Because I hear there's big plans to renovate and turn into something really magical. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm a total guest in this office. Uh, so. Your family now. Yeah. Um, so managing directors at Techstars all have a similar background in that we are all founders of companies. Um, so I, um, I've had many careers. I was a lawyer, I was in finance, um, and I founded a company. So I was, uh, working in a financial institution and I had this idea that I thought had legs. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I, you know, was good girl. I went to law school and, like, you know, thought I was going on this very corporate career. Both of my parents happened to be entrepreneurs, though, worked for themselves. So I um, always felt like it was in my DNA. Um, so I had this idea and I made it happen. Um, I found some developer co-founders and um, I raised a little bit of money from some, you know, some uh, of my clients at the bank I worked at um, and set off on my entrepreneurial journey, which was pretty awesome. So I spent three years building a company that was in the mobile space and pretty, it was pretty early what on. What was the name of it? It's called Switch Mobile. Mm-hmm. We were doing voice over IP for your mobile, so Skype, kind of before Skype. Um, and uh, we built that company and we scaled into, um, into Europe and um, I did everything you could do wrong. <laughs> really? I made every possible mistake as a founder, um, all the things that I you know, hopefully help some of our founders with now. Um, and I worked incredibly hard because that was the only thing that I knew at the end of the day was going to work. Is that like if I, you know, it, had always, it had always served me well before, if I just like worked my ass off then like something good was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to the point where the company was unmanageable, like we were growing like a weed, but I couldn't hire people because I couldn't figure out how to hire people, so we had all these consultants, and I was just, I was a little overwhelmed, overworked, and really tired. Were you in New York at the time? I was in New York at the time, although we had an office in Europe, uh, because my co-founders were Danish. 
Um, and I got on a plane uh, going down over to CES, the big, um, the big uh, electronics conference, and I sat next to a group of people who worked for this company, and I told them what I did, and they said, wow, that's really interesting because our CEO has been talking about how he wants to get into that area. And Anyway, we had this great talk. We get to see, you know, three hours later, we get to Vegas um, at CES, and, you know, we say goodbye at CES for a few days, um, and, you know, they, they, they left me and they were like, you need to meet our CEO and like something good's going to happen. Anyway, four days go by, I'm busy doing a million things. I get on the flight going home and who do I happen to sit next to? But I happen to sit next to the CEO of this, of this company that, that the employees were oh, like, wow. you need to meet, um, you need to meet Sometimes him. Sometimes the stars just align. Sometimes they're alone. So anyway, four hours later, after telling him what I did and what the company was about, um, he said, well... This makes a lot of sense for us strategically, and um, we, you know, we want to talk about an acquisition. So I was like, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, okay. Like a lot of people had been approaching us at that point, and there was like a lot of, you know, you, you get diverted, you go down that path. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you. Eight o'clock in the morning, the next morning, he called me. And he's like, why aren't you in my office? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, we're we're pretty certain now that we really want to acquire you. You have um, built some interesting IP. You're already in markets that we want to be with, be in and you have a great team and um, you know it seems like it's a good match so three months later did you turn it down? <laughs> no nope, I didn't <laughs> so you did that right I did I did, I did. well I, I well it's interesting a bunch of people thought that I sold too early and that there was a lot of missed opportunity and you know I never founded a company and it was just you know it was time for me to um, you know to to do something else so um, so yeah so we had this kind of miraculous I like to say acquisition um, I went and worked for this company that acquired us for two years. What was the name of that one? They're called Via One. Mm-hmm. They're the largest prepaid payment processor out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and worked for this company for for two years. Saw them destroy the product that we'd built. But in the meantime, I had a total blast working there because they let me buy two companies. So I basically learned M and A. Wow! So you buy. bought and then got to buy other people. I got to buy two so companies. You're in so you're sitting on the plane next yeah. to some founder, pretty much, telling them you're going to buy. Pretty much. We bought two French companies, then made a mess of the technology that I sold, in, and um, and that was my story. Wow! So awesome. so yeah, so it was great. I saw the full life cycle. And, so what, um, how, what was the scale of the company? Like, do you have was the public uh, acquisition price announced, or how many it people wasn't. were wasn't. in the company? Um, we had uh, we had like fifteen or twenty people. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing well, but um, but uh, I mean, you know, we scaled pretty quickly, and um, we did some things right in that we had um, really sticky customers who came back, and so that was you know that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, everything happened by chance. <laughs> so we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but anyway, that was my story. Um, when I, uh, when I exited, I started angel investing because I wanted to kind of, um, get into that world, but also really, you know, kind of give back to the world that had been so, um, fruitful for me. Um, along the way I met incredible investors, entrepreneurs, etc. Um, and I started angel investing and then, um, wound up bumping into folks at the BBC and they were looking to start a venture fund and they didn't want someone who had like a long history of venture they wanted an entrepreneur and so I, um, I started working for them and built their, their fund for them um, and in the meantime during my four and a half years there I realized that um, venture investing for corporates is not as strategic as they think it is mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realized that Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this little side kind of skunk project, which was um, this thing called BBC Labs, which we um, where we incubated and accelerated six companies, and it just was great. Like it was mm-hmm. the best thing that I did all those years at the BBC. I bought companies. I I like I made tons of money from a few of the companies mm-hmm. that I bought for the company. But the actual best thing I did at, at BBC Worldwide was um, I started this accelerator. Um, wow. It was really impactful for the business. It was great for the entrepreneurs. It yeah. helped change the culture. So of is the this company. the same BBC I'm picturing with uh, the English broadcasters? That's and, it. And were you in Europe at the time? Um, so we built it in London. Mm-hmm. I was going. I was going back and forth. And so BBC Labs is still going strong. 
Um, I'm not even sure what cohort they're on, but um, they have an amazing uh, program. I'm still very much involved, so I'm an advisor to you know to their innovation group and to the lab, and so it's um, it's really exciting for me. But the thing I realized at the BBC was that I really want to do earlier stage. So it's a long way of telling you how I got to Techstars, which mm-hmm. is um, I felt like it was time for me to roll up my sleeves again and work really closely with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I had an opportunity to, to join uh, Techstars and, and run programs, it just was a really great fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the intensity of um, you know three months here all day, all mm-hmm. night working with founders. Mm-hmm. Storytelling yeah. and you know just sharing my my experiences both as an investor and as um, an entrepreneur. Totally. So when you joined, what, what did TechStars look like? What, what was the was did the structure change or what cohort were they on? Yeah. So I wound up. It was funny. I wound up um, running a hardware program, and um, so my background is is you know in mobile digital media. I know nothing about hardware, and um, so when they asked me to run that, I was like. I don't know what people are smoking in Boulder, but <laughs> it must be good because I'm probably not the person to run a hardware mm-hmm. uh, accelerator. But um, but the truth is that uh, what I what I realized along the way um, before taking the role was that the companies actually didn't need help building hardware. They needed help um, building businesses, mm-hmm. telling stories, figuring out you know what their go to market strategy, and those were all things that I'd done personally and I'd helped other other companies do. So. Um, it actually didn't matter that it was hardware. It doesn't matter that it's fintech. Um, I'm not sure that there's a correlation between uh, managing directors' um, past experience and the success of the of the class um, in in terms of their skill set. So mm-hmm. I kind of, or at least I make myself believe that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> the times I feel really dumb. So, so when did you join? When when what was the inauguration? Um, so I've been here about a year and a bit, year and a half or something. Uh-huh. So that um, is what, four a year, four classes? No, no, so I've only run two classes. Two classes? Yeah. So we spend um, a lot of the year recruiting, working with other um, programs, uh, working with our founders to help them um, uh, fundraise, etc. Um, so it is, although it's, the program's only three months, it is a real year-round. Mm-hmm. That's so. awesome. So, uh, so New York is obviously a crazy city. Is there four tech stars? Is that what I heard? There's four programs here? Um, so, yeah, we've, we've run um, a number of programs, and um, we are just expanding. So when I started, I don't know how many programs there were, but I think it was closer to 10, and now we have 18 programs. Wow. Um, our staff, I think, has doubled. I think when I started, there was like 40 people at Techstars, and now I think we have 120. Wow. Um, and so it's just kind of been amazing to be yeah. part of an organization that is yeah. scaling and scaling so well. Like the yeah. quality of all of the programs is maintained, and um, you know we're basically touching more entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So how do you find guys like Zach? Zach, I've known him for about a week. This is one of the most driven, motivated, inspiring characters. Do you just send him a cold email and he just sees the brand and he just joins? I mean, these are like the, this is how you go from just, you know, like 10 to 20 to 30 locations. Uh, and a lot of that, I guess, is your responsibility. How do you think about just, because it's a, it's a challenge that we're going through personally in our, in our company and Home Hero is how to find just amazing people. How do you guys, how do you do that? That's the, that seems like the magic sauce being the... Yeah, I mean, I think is. what helps is that if, if you get one thing, or if there's one thing to say about Techstars, it's that we're a network. Mm-hmm. And so the network provides, right? So the network provides for the founders in that, you know, we have access to all the resources that they can need, all the partnerships. Somewhere in the network, someone knows someone that can help them. That's on the funding side, the partnership side, etc. So on the hiring side, it is the same. Um, so we've, you know, we've created a brand. It has, you know, it has um, some market uh, respect, I guess, and you know, people want to be part of our programs, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually through, you know, someone mm-hmm. in the network yeah. that, that brings them into the fold. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, we are lucky to find um, awesome, awesome people like that. Yeah. So we have uh, out of the listeners out there now, uh, if you were to, you know, target any particular segment of people, if they're companies that are looking to debate whether, uh, you know, Jonathan, he was not sure if he wanted to join TechStars. I know he came here from London and he said, I wanted to run on my own, I'm going to run the sales team, and he just felt like, wow, this is really difficult, let me look at my options for an accelerator or an investment group, found you guys, and like hit the ground running. 
if there's companies out there or, or people who are between startups, maybe there's founders out there that are looking for the next thing, um, how do they, like what is Techstars looking for right now in terms of people or companies or investors, sponsors, not quite sure. Yeah, so what's cool about Techstars right now is that there's pretty much a program um, for everyone. So if you're building a health um, a health startup, there's a great program for you. If you're, bringing, if you're building a fintech, a hardware, uh, media, there are these vertical programs as well as our city programs. And our city programs are, um, you know, in locations, they take any type of company. So if you're in Boulder or Seattle and you want to stay in those um, in those programs, you know, we, we have programs there. Or those areas, we have programs there. So um, so that's what's cool about it right now is that, you know, we're, we're everywhere. So in terms of what we're looking for, you know, at Techstars we say we invest in six things in this order. Team, 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 market mm-hmm. traction idea. So in terms of companies that we're looking for, I mean, we're really looking for solid founders, mm-hmm. um, people that have worked with, together before, people that are, um, you know, that are passionate and um, and are committed and are, you know, have technical jobs and, um, you know, can build fast and that's that's kind of what we're that's awesome. That's what we're up to. So so uh, on the founder side, how does someone actually get in? Do they is is it is it really you mentioned network and that's so true? Do they go to the application page? Or do they? You so know, it's, you, it's a great question, and I always say so. Um, so everyone that applies that wants feedback of why they don't get in, we provide feedback, or I provide feedback. So you can imagine we get hundreds and hundreds of applications, and everyone who doesn't get in who sends me an email and says I'd like to know, like I write them personally back. And the most common email I write is, "How come you didn't write me before?" Mm. Right. So people apply on the website, and that's great. But all the managing directors, we're all out there. We're on Twitter. We're in offices. Like the best advice I can give is get to one of us, mm-hmm. right? Or it doesn't have to be the managing director. It can be associates that work with us. It can be our program managers. Mm-hmm. Get to someone at TechStars because if someone at TechStars or someone in our network, like our mentors or friends, whatever, refers someone in, that's you know an incredible endorsement, and you know mm-hmm. we really take that to heart because um, we trust people in our network. Yeah. So the most common answer I give is like, where were you? Like, yeah. how come we didn't we give event? You know, we hold events all the time. We do mm-hmm. um, we do webinars. So there's so many touch points to to actually get to interact with tech stars. If you just fill out an online application and send it in. It's really tough. Yeah, totally. So. I loved Rachel's uh, story. She said she interviewed four or submitted four times, and she hustled her way in. Just it shows you the kind of people who make their way in. The and door. Rachel's a great example. I mean, a week did not go by over the the months that I got to know Rachel, or someone that I knew in our network did not ping me and say, um, you know, Rachel. Cook is really awesome. You guys should really think about. It. I mean, it, it got to the point where I was just like, "Is this for real?" <laughs> I mean, it was like unbelievable how many people mm-hmm. you know endorsed her. And mm-hmm. so you know, when when that happens, you can't really yeah. look away. Right? Yeah. It, it makes you kind of yeah. So totally. we love when people um, come from our network and. Mm-hmm. You know, find ways to get mm-hmm. into. This. And Tommy was another one. I we interviewed Tommy on the show prior, know, and so to see him here it just made perfect sense. It was like, of course you would be. Where else would you be? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Zach, uh, like an obviously impressive guy, came in. You know, he sold his last company and then went through a transition process. And I know you got a cold email. Is that how they? Or you I, sent a cold email? Somehow it was a, Austin for a startup, mm-hmm. a food waste app. And we weren't ready to go to Techstars because we were just you know early development. That email, as I went the process, Julie and Brianna, Brianna, all these people are on that chain. So I just went to the chain and said, I'm going to email all these people to find all the tech stars jobs. So the only way to show the startup jobs is the internal portal for the associates. And then a month later, then the girl rolled their email and went to Alex, met Dan, and then Alex again, and then flew out here. Yeah, well, I love the fact and that. And I tech, you know? <laughs> I mean, it shows that you flew out here, what, two days after you even heard about the opportunity? Yeah, before, yeah 72 hours. You've been here less than, what, one week? So, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, like she said, it's the network. Yeah. It's the people that, why I wanted to jump into the yeah. That's awesome. But we do love the hustlers like this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, he was in Chicago a few days ago and just, like, got his ass to New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, those people. Yep. So, I mean, saying from uh, my personal perspective, if you're a hustler out there looking for, you know, an awesome, awesome company to get involved in, to be exposed to a lot of other really exciting entrepreneurs and companies. Yeah. I mean, so we have these associate roles, which are amazing. You spend three months with us. 
with our teams, working in all aspects. So that's operations, how you know how the the program runs, to actually working with the teams. And a lot of our associates wind up joining the teams mm-hmm. that go through our program. So that's really cool as well. Obviously, builds the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they or they join alumni teams. Um, so it's a great way. If you're not a founder, you don't necessarily have a company. It's still a great way to um, go through a program. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't pay you a ton of money. But what we can do is basically you get to go through a program. You get to meet all of our mentors. You get to... Be part of all of our programming, and so mm-hmm. it's a it's a really fun way to mm-hmm. not have a company and go through a tech startup. Totally makes sense. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Email or Twitter? Yeah, tweet to me. Um, for associates, we actually do have on our website. You can um, you can go and apply, and all those applications get read. But you know, as I said before, just um, you know, track us down. Mm-hmm. Um, we do events all the time. Uh, we have recruiting events. We just you know, we're we're just out awesome. there. So bottom line, just show up and show up, make just, it happen. Just make it happen. Awesome. And now you know we have um, merged with uh, Startup Weekend. Um, so all the people that are part of the Up Network, um, Startup Week, Startup Weekend, mm-hmm. they're all now part of the Techstars family as well. Mm-hmm. So there's even more touch points, especially at early stage. So yeah. go to a Startup Weekend, um, you know, just oh, get out great. there. Oh, that's great. I know those guys, stage. Mark and Joey, those right. guys are they're great. They're now part of Techstars. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Even the colors match, so it was meant to be. There you the go. Green and green. Great. Well, well, it was all actually incubated at David Cohen from Techstars. Um, basement in Boulder. Wow. So start like the idea for Startup Weekend and all of that. So it was kind of like they grew up together. Yeah. And then Startup Weekend went and did the show thing the and world. then came together. So that's nice. awesome. What a story, huh? Yeah. Cool. Well thanks Jenny. I really enjoyed chatting with you today and uh, and awesome. I wish you all the best. Come on back. Cool. Thanks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.